Everybody, bienvenidos, bienvenu, benvenuti, willkommen. Welcome to another episode of the Red Card Report podcast. This is episode number 105. It's Joe speaking right now, and we have a full house tonight. This is this is insane because I, I wasn't sure this was ever going to happen. I wasn't sure what I don't know if Rui had like went off to some foreign country and he was never coming back. I wasn't sure. But we have him in the house today. We have Eddie in the house today. Rui, how you doing? I am fantastic, as always. <laughs> Coming off two fantastic dubs. Milan, just absolutely embarrassing. Actually, Milan B, embarrassing, enters full strength squad. And Porto coming off with a big win against Oroca, sitting pretty in first place, six points ahead of Sporting. Life is great right now, man. I, I, it. I'm just so happy, man. I, I can't wait to talk about it all. Yeah, okay, well, it's a good thing because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. And Eddie, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm phenomenal as always. Had to change it up <laughs> from Ruiz. <laughs> but yeah, no, doing great, man. My team's also same thing. Uh, yeah, I don't have the luxury of being first place in Portugal, but. Where they were close and and Milan, you know, hey man, two both of my teams, you know, sitting sitting at the you know pretty close to the top of the league, fighting for for the league title. So hey man, I'm still doing well. Good, I'm glad to hear that. And you know what, you guys touched upon everything that we're going to be talking about tonight. So you That's know, right. what? let's just let's get right to it. So let let's talk about City Out first. You know, our our favorite league, our bread and butter here. Um, this for me had to be one of the most entertaining Derby della Madonnina's in yeah. recent memory. Let me ask you guys about this game, Rui. Your take on on this very very memorable Milan win? Man, honestly, it was the first half was an absolute nightmare to watch. It was terrifying. Inter were just down our throats the entire game. Mike Magnan was absolutely magnificent, man. It's just 16 million euros for the guy, and he's just been playing like a like a 75 million euro goalkeeper. He's been bailing he us huge. out all season. And in this game, the biggest game of the season, one of the biggest Derby de la Madonina's in the longest time, um, he showed up huge. He kept us in the game. And had it not been for his saves, this game could have been over early on. And in the second half, the whole game, turned around and Milan just really picked it up to a different level, really making it difficult uh, for Inter Milan to get anything going in their final third. And the midfield battle was won there. Tunali once again was magnificent. Benacer was excellent as well. They won the midfield and those substitutions that came on Giroud once again, you know, it seems like when Ibrahimovic isn't on the pitch, we have a guy that does the same exact job and Giroud comes up with two clutch, clutch goals, and he basically saved the season for us. He he kept us in contention uh, for, with Inter, and we have something to fight for. This was the win that we desperately needed to keep us in the title um, in the title race. So, I mean, it was an excellent performance with all the injuries, all the players uh, just not being in the in the starting lineup. We're still able to get results and get the results that are that are most important to keep us in this race. So I can't be any happier with the guys. And Pioli, once again, crucial subs, uh, excellent tactical changes in the second half that made the difference. Inter, Inter were completely non-existent. Eddie, wow. do, you, well, do you echo the same sentiment there? Yeah, yeah, well said, Rui. And, and if I could just, I'm just going to say the same things you two just said uh, in a different way, maybe. Yeah, it's been a, it, it's been a while since we had a derby with, 
this much on the line. We could go back, you know, maybe 10 years uh, without having a, a derby of this much significance. But it really was a, ta- a tale of two halves. It was a chess-like match where Inzaghi gambled so much on attack early in the first half, and it really backfired in the second half uh, and into the closing stages. I think it was very well calculated on Pioli's part, and it really paid off, uh, you know, taking those three points. Um, as predicted in the previous podcast, you know, we knew that Inter's press was going to be dominant throughout the first half, or just dominant overall. Eddie, uh, Eddie, don't even gloss over it. You called it. You called that. Called it like it you was, man. It. Yeah, I don't think you- Milan, Milan, they found it, you know, pretty difficult to break past Inter's midfield. Uh, you know, into counterattacks or just breakout attacks. You know, Barella was definitely a standout for Inter in the first half. His his work rate, you know, really helped Inter dominate that half. That battle with Tonali and, and Co really came to a slowdown in the second half, and and Tonali just took control of the match, which was, you know, great to watch. And another one was Mike Magnan. You know, Rui said it, and I'll say it too. He made huge saves throughout. Uh, and he really was that engine that propelled Milan's energy that kept them in the match. Going into halftime, even though it was 1-0 to enter, Milan were still in the match. They had a fighting chance. And he really did it all. He had the one-handed save. He had a, that huge tackle on Kukanoglu. Uh He had that <laughs> header. Uh, he had punching clearances. He was that catalyst that gave yeah. Milan life, you know, that reaction save against Dumfries. He had all that action right before half. And it really, you know, it helped Milan going into the tunnel, just like knowing like, oh, it's only one nil, even though we played a bad half. Let's come back in the second half, turn things around. Uh, am I wrong in saying that um, I think that the game kind of it took a little bit of a different turn when Kessier came out and Brahim is you know, got subbed in. And am I, yeah. am I wrong in saying that? Uh, no, you're absolutely right. And yeah, Kessie is far from that ideal candidate that we would like to be in that number 10 position to be able to create chances and lead an attack. And I think that Pioli just wanted a three-man midfield to help congest that middle, break up Inter's midfield a little bit. And um, any time that they were trying to, you know, get that traffic moving in the center of the pitch, um, I mean, it worked for a little bit, but I just don't, don't think that it was as effective uh, it was a bit stagnant. But yeah, that those two substitutions were key. Brahim Diaz and Macias uh, coming on and just influencing that attack really made Inter drop a bit more, which you know freed up some space and uh, gave us a little bit more freedom. Uh, Rui, I think I might need... I know I asked Eddie this on the last pod about uh, Kessier renewing and all that stuff. I think I might have asked you about it. I don't know why I'm, I'm like focusing on him right now, but I think that it's just because he's you know, a high profile name and, you know, rumor has it that he's not going to be signing a contract extension. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, honestly, it's, it's sad to see it because once again, Milan are going to lose another player that they spit, that they potentially could have sold for and got a huge plus Valenza for. I know we spent quite a bit of money on him. Uh, Originally, I think it was about 40 million euros. We could have gotten 50 or 55 Get some something in return, and it's unfortunate. It's another player gone out the window, another snake to deal with in the future. Because, <laughs> you know, I I can't stand players that can't stay. I can't stand people in general that can't stick to their word. And last summer, he promised us that when he would come back to to the Milanello for training camp. He would straighten out his contract and he wanted to stay at Milan forever, that he loved being the president of the of the Tifosi. And here we are seven months later, and it's the same thing with, with Donnarumma, where he was just misleading the club, kind of just playing games, leading the club on. And here we are. He hasn't even gotten to the situation, uh, gotten to a contract renewal, and he's already rumors have it that he's not going to return to the club and we're just going to lose him on a free. You know, had we known that last summer, it would have been easier for the club to ship him out, find a replacement and just go on with the year without him. Because this year, as great as Kessier can be at his peak, he's phenomenal. But this year we see the inconsistencies. He's great in some games and then he goes missing in others. And I think a lot of that has to do with the contract renewal. We see that with so many players on their final year, their contract, where they're not living up to 
their potential and their expectations. So um, it, it's frustrating, man. And it, it's sad that he's not going to stick around because I just bought his jersey that last summer for the, simple oh, no. fact, for the simple fact that he said he was going to stay. And every single time I buy a Milan kit with a player on it, they always end up leaving. So that's the last of it. I'm never going to do it again. At least you could try to. T- you got. You got to try to take the seven off. That's or do you have the nineteen? Oh, you have a seventy-nine. <laughs> what am I gonna put? Giroud cross oh. out Kessie. Put in Olivier put in Giroud. Giroud. Oh, man. Actually, um, Eddie, anything to add about Kessie? No, I just I think his his time is done. It's Rat. just not not the type not the type of players that we want at the club. It's like you shouldn't be here thinking that you're bigger than the club. You know, we're trying to achieve great things. It's either you're with us or just get lost. You know, you know where the management is doing great business. We have a great flurry of players that are excelling in what they do and Kessie has fallen at the hindsight with just his dip of form, uh just these outrageous salary demands that don't don't necessarily align with what he deserves. So yeah, let's move on from Kessie. I think uh, his time is done and we have replacements that are there that are more than capable. All right. I'm going to pose this question to both of you. I probably already know the answer to this. I think everybody might already know the answer to this, but I'm curious to know regardless man of the match for this edition of the Dead Videla Madonina. Rui, you first. I'm going to go with Mike Magnon. Have to go with oh. Mike Magnon. Listen. Okay. Okay. I, the, I like it. No, I'm going to like say, it. I'm, I'm going to put the, I'm going to put this out there. Giroud is the king of Milan. He <laughs> is the king of Milan. But Mike Magnon, man, honestly, where would we be if it was not him? In the first half, like if no. we had another goalkeeper in net, how many goalkeepers would have made all those key and clutch saves to keep a team in the game? Inter, like I said, could have been up three to nothing in the first half and the game would have been over. He kept yeah. us in it and going into halftime, he gave us a reason to believe. Those key saves put us in the position at halftime where Pioli said the game isn't over. We haven't lost control of the game yet. We have something to fight for. There is a chance for us to come back. He laid out his tactics, he laid out his agenda, and everything turned around, and it all starts with Mike. Obviously, Giroud deserves immense credit because those are two clutch goals, but you have to go where it started first, and it started with Big Mike. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can only I can only agree with Rui and say Mike Magnon, but just for the sake of the podcast, I'll say Giroud <laughs> so we can have a couple words on this lovely Frenchman. Um, you know, he had a world beater of a performance, securing uh, his brace in only a few minutes in the second half. Two goals that were vintage number nine goals. First was a perfect read of the play, right place, right time. And the second one was pure class, sent screen yard, just other way curled it around Handanovic. Uh, he's he's locked in seven goals in his first 15 uh, 15 matches played. He's having his best season since 1617 and he becomes the first Frenchman to score multiple goals against Inter and the first number nine for Milan to score in the Derby since people and Zaghi. So that performance right there alone uh, solidified himself in just the Derby history. And I know Mike Magnon that even though it was not a shutout, he deserves his praise because it's either between mm-hmm. one of the two. And then you had Tonali, you know, you know, as a as a contender as well. But yeah, those two, Mike Magnon and Giroud, wow, just French delicacy. Unreal. <laughs> great, great game. Love to see Inter lose. <laughs> Especially when they're when they're in first place. Oh, nothing nothing like that. That was great. So thank you. Thank you, Milan, and thank you, Rui Netti, for that for that input. Uh, <laughs> next game uh, that we're going to be talking about it's definitely not as big uh, on on a scale if you want to if you want to say, but it was big. It was big for me personally, and that's Juve Verona. Um, Juve winning this one two nothing. Uh, beautiful, beautiful two <laughs> goals. It was. Uh, uh, I, I I can't. I can I still cannot even describe how happy I am <laughs> with it, it I I haven't been this happy with Juventus in a in a very very long time so uh this was just I was ecstatic 
But uh, enough about how I feel about it. I'm curious as to how you both feel about it. Rui, Dusan Vlaovic and Zakaria both getting on the score sheet. Uh, yeah. I under, also understand that it was kind of a, a, a decimated Verona side. They were missing some key players. They had some, they had some, um, some talent up there, though. I think, um, what's that uh, attacker's name? Lazovic. I think his name was. He looked he looked really dangerous at times. But anyway, uh, what's your take on that, really? Yeah, I think this was a, a much better overall performance for Juventus. I think this is the 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 boost that they needed. Those two signings really came in clutch. Vlahovic, we all know how capable um, he is of scoring goals from anything. He's able to just create a lot more. He's a lot more threatening. Uh, than Alvaro Morata is, as we saw just a few, his first few touches in the game, he was almost putting putting a couple of goals away. And then we see the, the quality of goal that he scored. It's, a, it's something that Juventus have been missing all season long. And you can, yeah, all season long, because Ronaldo was there last season scoring goals. So this was the, this was the piece that they've been missing most. But they also need someone in that midfield to change things. And I think... Uh, Zakaria is that is that player. He's capable of, you know, his his defensive attributes are are fantastic. He's not a world class destroyer, but he is a two way player that can clean up any mess, screen in front of the defense, but also hold possession and get things going forward. Um, I don't know how bad the his injury was that that he picked up. I don't know if he's going to be out for too long or anything like that, but we saw his presence being felt and he got and he was at the right place at the right time to score the goal. And what can you say Two their two newest signings both started and both made an impact scoring on, on the debut. What more can you say? And overall Juventus looked really good. And I think uh, Vlahovic really made the job for Dybala a lot easier because Dybala could have had at least two or three assists in this game. Yeah. Um, I agree with that, Eddie. What do you think? Instant, instant impacts. Yeah, I think this season Juve has lacked, you know, at least intimidating their their opponents. When you go play, uh, you know, at Juventus, you're not feeling that same type of intimidation that Juventus have had over you know opponents in the past. I think that Vlahovic adds, you know, because he has that reputation to intimidate, you know, defenses and you know what he's been capable of this whole season. So with his princes, you know, and Bianco Neri shirt is a clear advantage. Started as center forward in the trident of attackers, Morata and Dybala. And I think that the benefit of this really gave Morata and Dybala like a chance to, you know, win the ball in a deeper position while Vlahovic mm-hmm. was able to stretch it. Uh, Allegri, I think, did he play a 4-3-3 or some type of variation of it? Uh yeah, yeah, he played. Yeah, he played like a variation of the four three three. People were saying it was more like a, a four three one two yeah. with like Nepal yeah. playing as an attacking yeah. mid. But yeah, yeah. yeah so the ben- the benefit of having Vlahovic on the pitch is just you have to just get him in front of goal. You don't need to him to do anything else. Uh, similar to how clinical Inzaghi was, you know, you just give him a half a chance and he gets on the score sheet. So uh, UV are able to have more help supporting the midfield to aid back and winning possession. And then you have a, a, a player like Vlahovic who is up the field and it's just an easy target. You know, I think in their first outing with him in the lineup, Juve already look way more energized, way more threatening. And, you know, like we said in the previous podcast, they're the winner in the the winter mercado. I think it proved to be very beneficial. Uh, both Vlahovic and Zakaria getting on the score sheet, instant impact, like we said. So added two uh, crucial pieces to their squad, not just to help them qualify for Champions League, but I think in the next season will also put them in the running uh, to win the Scudetto as well or be in the running for it. Yeah, I, I have no doubts about that. I was just, I was uh, incredibly blown away by how much, like you said, Eddie, how much more energized this team looked. They looked like they were, they were actually going to go out there and get a result. And that is not what I've seen uh, for a very long swath of this season. You know, it's always been, you know, how can I put it into words? I've always felt very on edge when I've been watching Juve this season. Nothing has ever been certain, at least not as certain as it has been in the past. So I think that I think you hit the nail on the head here. Um, man of the match. I know it's not 
it's not you know Derby della Madonnina level, but I, I'm curious as to who you guys would pick, regardless. So Rui, who would be your man of the match for this game? Uh, I, I want to say Paulo Dybala. I thought I, I thought he was Juve's most threatening player. Obviously, he got um, Dusan Vlahovic involved. I think if Vlahovic buried a couple of more of those opportunities, or at least one of the, the opportunities that he had, I think I would have gave it to, to Vlahovic. But I think everything starts with Dybala. And when he gets that extra help, gets that extra uh, quality player to work with, his job becomes easier and the team will benefit from it. So I'm going to go with um, with Paulo Dybala. He, he's been sensational every time he's, he's touched the pitch this year for Juve. He just needs to stay healthy. I got no problem yeah. with that, Eddie. What do you, who do you Yeah, think? I would I would say the same. Uh, either him or Rabio. I, I think that Dybala was definitely influential. You can and you could tell, you know, him getting pulled off uh, before the full ninety that he was a little bit upset. But you know, you want to preserve players like that, especially with having tendency to get injured. Um, I mm-hmm. think he he plays a very key role. So you know, it's up to Juventus to, to resolve that whole contract issue and get that sealed away because they have a, a pretty solid attack now uh, with these, with these new signings and what they could do, you know, you know, behind those, uh, by, behind Vlahovic and when Zakaria gets on the field, I think it reduces the expectation from the rest of the midfield or rest of the midfield players, mm. you know, Rabio, Locatelli, McKenney, um, who I think that they'll be able to flourish a little bit more without the need to produce as many goals. Yeah, I, I, I do see that. I do see that. And I think that that is the intent. I know that um, I, this isn't insider knowledge, but back in October, November, Ibala was handed a contract. He technically agreed to it. He just hasn't signed it. Now there's just an issue with his agent and agent fees and Juve doesn't want to pay agent fees. So that's kind of what's stymied the whole deal as of right now. And for as from, from what I know, um, but let's go. I just want to rewind. What was your before. source, Joe? Was it Frank Kessie? <laughs> sounds like some Frank Kessie would tell it's him. A, it, right. No, it's it, honestly, I, I'm still confident that Paolo will sign. Um, I think that he really does love the club. Like sometimes agents really do just get in the way. We've seen it happen before, um, but they they just gotta they just gotta sort this thing out. Uh, and I, I'm confident that they will. But uh, I just want to rewind really quick to um, that incident that you were talking about, Eddie, where Paolo, you know, he like you know stuck his lower lip out and looked like you know a child, kind of just like getting, <laughs> you know, you know, taken off the field, uh, and. I like I get it. I don't think any player wants to get subbed, you know, off the field, especially when one you're playing really well and two you're winning, yep. right? Yep. I, no player wants to go through that. And I think you also made another really good point. You know, you got to wrap Paolo in bubble wrap sometimes. <laughs> you know, especially when you have all of these uh, important fixtures coming up. We have a lot of really important right, games right. that we need wins in. Um, so like, what do you make of that? Could be, because I've been seeing people all over Twitter and other places being like, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, he should be ashamed with how he's acting. He's a vice captain of the club. Like what, what do you make of it? Oh, I think that Allegri is making a conservative decision in that kind of situation where, you know, the game's already set. You're good to go. Why not give him a chance to rest, pull him off early. And I get it. Every player wants to play the full 90, you know, be able to get on the score sheet, maybe double up your goal count, whatever it may be, get your stats up a little bit. But I think it's it's very smart for a manager to to preserve your key players, especially going into this last stretch of matches. Like you said, there's key matches coming up. There's uh, Champions League uh, knockout coming up. You have this you know, stretch of games that you want to be able to break into the top four with Atalanta, you know, dropping points here and there, you know, you're right at that cusp where you can get back into Europe. So it has to be very calculated and it could be frustrating for a player, but those decisions are the decisions that help you, you know, get to the end of the season and all your players are healthy and you achieve your objectives. You know, you can't get mad at that. It's hard for a player to understand though. Yeah, man, I, 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 I was never a fan of players 
being super expressive on the pitch due to personal reasons or contract issues or anything like your job when you're on the pitch is to focus on your job on the pitch things that are supposed to be done off the pitch should stay there um i and you know what allegri has every right to take tivala out because for the last two seasons he's been injured you're winning two nothing what if he picked up an injury in late in the second half of this game when he didn't need to be on the pitch we all know that he is injury prone he has been so he has to take the right approach and if dibala doesn't like that well he has to understand that he has been injured and you know he's a vice captain you have to show you have to be an example i was never a fan of ronaldo when he had his contract issue at his last uh, year at manchester united or even his first couple of years at real madrid he started being sad every time he scored a goal like you need to be an example to everyone. Be a professional at what you do. So, like, I, I would ask, I would ask every Juventini this question: Would you ever see Alessandro Del Piero or Giorgio Chiellini act like that if they, they were in the same situation as DiBala? Or like, would Paolo Maldini ever behave like that? I, right. I, I don't see it. Like, you have to conduct yourself in a professional way because just being that expressive in front of everyone doesn't do anything doesn't make the situation better you know you're not gonna you're all you're doing is pouting in front of everyone but the board is most likely going to stand by the decision that they're going to make or go or end up making so you know i i think it's just childish and as a vice captain he should be doing better and be a better example for real don't be acting like a cardi and shit (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing like a book coming out with like Paulo Dybala, my story, like it's my story. I don't know. know. It's an Argentine but, thing. It, it, who knows? <laughs> who knows? I'm sure that a book will come out later, but not now. No, but hey, those are, that's, uh, those are two very good takes, you know, two opposite ends of the spectrum. I, I like that. that. That was very good, guys. Um, let's move on to La Liga where we have a positive result from Barcelona. You know, I, 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 I didn't, I was not expecting this, uh, but this was on our docket this, uh, this morning. So Barcelona four, Atletico two. Um, I do remember seeing uh, something on the TL about Simeone being one of the highest paid managers on the planet and he can't get a result against the, the probably the worst Barcelona side uh, in in history, in recent history. Um, maybe you guys can weigh in. Rui, what do you think of, of this Barcelona win? Yeah, he uh, he is the highest paid coach in the world and has been. Uh, Atletico Madrid pay him 31 million euros a year to coach the team and implement a system like that. And speaking of this system, I have to like get this out there. Joe, we, we covered this on an episode a few weeks back, I think it was just you and I, and you know, it, Atletico is a, a complete disaster, man. And you look at their their center backs. Th- th- everything always started in the back with Atletico Madrid. There hasn't been a team in Europe that had been so consistent defensively for a decade like they have. The system always worked. They always got the the same results. They went far in the Champions League. They won a couple of of La Liga titles. And everything just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't matter who they throw in the the back, whether it's Savage, Hermoso, um, uh, Jimenez, uh, Felipe. All center backs, all defenders that have thrived in this system are failing miserably. The midfield is so lackluster, and the attack outside of Luis Suarez, whenever he's fit and ready to go, no one, no one is contributing. This entire team is a mess, and a team like Barcelona, who have been doing a lot better under uh, under Xavi, they absolutely picked them apart. Despite going down early in the in the first uh, in the first half, they took advantage and exposed Atletico. They looked like a team that didn't know how to defend, and this is a situation that's been going on far too long, and it's a problem that doesn't seem that doesn't seem like there is a result, uh, a resolution too. So um, hats off to, uh, to Barcelona. They seem to be picking it up despite all the situ, all the issues that, that they've been going through. They're now in fourth place where 
earlier this year. They were in 10th and 11th place. They're slowly turning things around, and their chances of qualifying for the Champions League after this match, it, it, it's a lot It's a lot higher than, than I would have thought. And it, this match was just so important for them to, to give that extra boost to finish the season strong. This is a big, big match for them, and they pulled it off. And Atletico, I don't even know what's to come to them. And if... If they don't turn things around, things really need to change there. Eddie, what do you make of this Barcelona side right now? Unfortunately, if you ask, you know, Atletico fans whether or not Simeone deserves all this money, they'll probably wholeheartedly agree just because there's so much love for this guy and what he's been able to achieve on, you know, so little um, Albeit they, they've been able to sign some some bigger names like with, with Griezmann coming back and Juan Felix and Suarez, but you know overall it was it was it was a pretty good match. I thought that the scoreline was a little bit more uh, uneven based on how the, how the match was played. Barcelona, I think, outclassed them in terms of you know just the attacking play. Uh, Jordi Alba scored an absolute banger. Same thing with Dani Alves. Uh, you had the veterans kind of getting involved. Uh, I think Gerard Piquet, he had a, a header that was just, you know, off the crossbar and they, they were playing very basic football. I think with the introduction of Adama Traore, you know, if you saw the, mm-hmm. the play that they scored off of him, it was just, you know, a classic, you know, dribble down the wing, cross it in and, you know, get ahead on it. So uh, I think that, Barcelona have playing a little bit more of a, a simplified style of play and they've introduced or they still have, you know, players that that are vets that know what it means to play for Barcelona. So I think the introduction of Dani Alves uh, or the reintroduction of Dani Alves was was pretty <laughs> influential in that. Um, it was unfortunate his his red card. You never you know want to see that. It was poor poor challenge but uh yeah barcelona you know statement win against atletico you know it's, it's just a shame that they they've fallen so far from where they were you know even last season uh and even the, when they played uh real madrid in the atletico derby you know same thing huge mismatch and real madrid handed it to them but yeah atletico has some restructuring to do they have to figure their stuff out because their dna uh is that that defensive you know, prowess, being able to just shut mm-hmm. down teams, uh, you know, grind out a one nil result. Uh, but that is not existing at the moment, you know, so uh, there, there might be some questions to ask of Simeone and, you know, maybe in the summer is where they're able to uh, try to fix some defensive issues. Uh, but, but I mean, I can't, I can't see them like closing in on Barcelona and Real Madrid, despite Barcelona having, you know, taken a few steps back. Right. And you know what I just I don't understand is that Atletico Madrid has a very talented team, like some very, very good players. Like we mentioned, we mentioned Luis Suarez. We mentioned um, Carrasco, I think, on on previous pods. We've talked we've spoken a lot about Atletico Madrid because there's just been such a a weird progression of this team over time. Um, Who else? They they I mean, they reinforce the midfield with Rodrigo de Ball. At, who is a great midfielder, I think, mm-hmm. and um, Joao Felix, who's also on the team. So what – I think I ask this question, like, every single time we talk about Atletico, but I'm going to ask it again just because this the situation seems to be getting more ridiculous as time goes on. Mm-hmm. What does this team need to do in order to, like, start winning again? Rui, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Simeone? I, <laughs> I, to be honest, I don't even know because what what I'm seeing here, at least what I think, is the same thing that we saw with Tottenham under Pochettino in his last year or so, where you know you you go on a stretch together with the same group of guys, the same system over and over again, it becomes tiring and the team goes stale, and we. You know, it, it, it happens when you don't rotate and teams end up figuring you out. When we yeah. look at Atletico last year, they were really good. Despite La Liga not being at where it once was, was a very great league. Atletico were a very good team. They didn't really lose anyone. They added Rodrigo de Paul. They added uh, Antoine Griezmann. So what really gives? And we look at the team this year. And one of the most scary things that any coach can go through is not ever having a set starting 11. 
And this is what we see week in and week out with Letico Madrid. It's never the same starting 11. It's never a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3 or a 3-5-2 that Simeone is constantly changing every single week. And, you know, before it was never like that. It was the same formation and usually the same starting 11 or at least the same eight or nine guys every week because that's how much depth um, Atletico has and had over the years. So there's there's something going on, and it seems like the system itself is starting to fail. They either need to change players or they need to change the system, whether that's Simeone coming to terms with himself and realizing that he needs to change or they need to sack him and find find someone else to do the job. Eddie, what do you make of it? Well, what would you do if if you had like you know, omnipotent power and you could yeah, yeah. fix that Letico. What would you do? <laughs> well, you, I mean, I go, you go back to the roots, you go back to what works. And it's, like I said, you restructure your defense, maybe, you know, make it, make a couple signings, statement signings that are going to strengthen your back line. You know, obviously, uh, Savic and, uh, who's the other center back, uh, Jimenez aren't cutting it. You know, I know they have a, a few players that are, that are injured, but, I mean, it's a, it's a poor excuse for Atletico. You know, they should be in the top four, but, you know, we're seeing Sevilla, you know, taking their spot and, you know, Real Madrid running away with it. And even Barcelona, mm-hmm. like I said, despite their weaknesses, still able to, to, to dominate and get a result like that. Yeah, it's time. It's time for a revamp. Yeah. Uh, revamps are needed. Okay. Well, we'll see where they we'll see how they do for the rest of the season at least, but this was a uh, this was a test and I think Atletico failed it. So, we will we will see. Um actually, one more question before we move on to uh our other favorite league. Um where does Bar- where do you guys see Barcelona ending up now then? Really? What do you yeah. think? Uh definitely it, are, are these positive signs for them? Yeah, definitely in the top 4. Even before the signings, you know, Ferran Torres, Adama Traore, even Danny Alves coming uh, coming back, we started seeing an improvement once Xavi took over, and and the game became a lot more simple, as as Eddie mentioned, and I think that's like the stepping stone for Barcelona to 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 get forward and to get to where uh, they want to be, and where they want to be is to be back on top in Europe. So uh, they're going in the right direction. I think Javi is introducing a game that is suited for Barcelona and for the players that they have. So um, I I think they're going to finish the season out strong. They're not going to be going far in Europe, in my opinion, or in the Europa League. But I think they're going to do just fine in La Liga, finish in the top four, which is most important for them right now. Get that revenue in, get that guaranteed revenue for next season, get a couple of players in the offseason and see what they can do and and slowly get to where they want to be. Yeah. Eddie? Yeah, you you have players now that are, you know, playing for Barcelona for the, for the namesake. You know, the, obviously they made these these unorthodox signings, you know, bringing on Traore, Aubameyang, and these are the players that, you know, they know what it means to play for a club like Barcelona and I'm sure they who hasn't dreamt of playing for Barcelona at the Camp Nou, uh knowing, you know, the history that Barcelona has. So I think that in the end helps Barcelona because they brought on these players that are going to really give them a fight. And I think uh, looking at Adama Traore, who I wouldn't have imagined being in a, in a Barca shirt, you know, able to, to perform and deliver, that's huge for them. And I think they do stand a fighting chance where, you know, these players are going to give their all because, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's a dream to represent that club. And with, Xavi at the helm, knowing that he's a club legend, he understands, you know, what the the club wants. The DNA of the club is pretty much in his bloodstream. You know, mm-hmm. he wants to implement that. So I think these players also want to leave a legacy. You know, they don't want to just go there and be a flop. So uh, yeah, I think there will be a little <laughs> bit extra uh, on the line for for these players because everybody's kind of betting against them. You know, betting against an Obama Young, betting against uh, a Triore, but like we see that, hey, that 
they had a good game. Aubameyang came on for a little bit, you know, had some good touches. But yeah, I was surprised with the influence that that Traore had. And maybe you know, it's it's not every day that you you get a, a player like him. Uh, you want a little bit more flash, but he he got the job done. And I think that he's going to torment a lot of La Liga back lines with how explosive he is. Uh, and if the Barcelona front line could take advantage of those services, you know, they'll they'll get those key goals. So they're moving in the right direction is basically what uh, what I think Eddie is saying. They're, they're trying yeah. to. They're trying. Yeah, they're, yeah. It's, it's been a rough ride, going. and I've yeah. and I've said it. I, I've said it because I I want to give Barcelona benefit of the doubt. They have a lot of players that I I enjoy watching, and I think that they'll they'll bring results. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be difficult. But yeah, they're on the, are on the right track because you know going from that game where they lost to Benfica in the Champions League to this game, right. it's quite a contrast. So, uh, yeah, definitely in the right direction. Speaking of Benfica, that is the next league that we wanted to bring up, and that's the Portuguese league. Both that's of right. both, since both of our Portuguese football experts are on the pod, we have to talk about it. Uh, and both of your teams won this weekend, right? Like Porto right. beat Aruca and Sporting beat Famalicão. Yeah, um, got so it done. Actually, give, give give each of your teams a little bit of a spiel as to like where they are in the season right now. Like uh, Eddie, what it, like how how is Sporting? I know that they're they're chasing the top of the the top of the table. Yep, yep, we are. Yeah, so we're coming off what looks like it would have been a casual easy three points, uh, but we did have our struggles. You know, there's some glaring uh, weak points. I think that the smaller teams in Portugal, like we said in the last podcast, they're really the masters of taking advantage of set plays, getting free kicks in crucial positions, and they're able to exploit, like I said, a lot of weaknesses in Sporting's defending. So uh, they were able to create some chances pretty easily. Uh, we, our, our goalkeeper, Adan, had to, to make a crucial penalty save right on the stroke of halftime uh, to help preserve that 1-0 lead. Uh, you know, they never really felt comfortable in the match, but they controlled most of it, if that makes <laughs> any no, sense. No, that makes sense. Uh, I several, get that. Yeah, there were, there were several defensive errors that led to some shaky moments uh, where they could have given up a, a goal or two. So that's what scares me uh, against Porto. Uh, we finally got S- Sebastian Coach back, so that's huge, huge help. Uh, Pablo Sarabia has been... Uh, a standout for us. He's proving time and time again his influence on the sporting team. His experience in class has really helped propel sporting up a few notches. Uh, and unfortunately, Pedro Porro, uh, he he was booked in, the, in that game against Famalicão, so he's going to be suspended for the match uh, against Porto. But uh, no need to worry. Uh, I, I think we have guys in place that, that are able to, to fill in, but it is a big loss. Uh, and Rui, you guys uh, beat Aruca this yeah. weekend. Porto beat Aruca. What what's their what's their situation? They're sitting top of the table. They're sitting pretty. What's going on with them right now? Because this is going to segue into what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, uh, sixteen game winning streak. Uh, Porto have been absolutely dominant in um, in recent, obviously that entire stretch. Things have really changed ever since the introduction of Vitinha into the midfield. Sergio Oliveira was always a key starter the last couple of seasons. He got he lost his starting job to Vitinha, and Vitinha has been, in my opinion, outside of Luis Diaz, the best player in Portugal, and he's having an incredible, incredible season. Every single match he plays in, his presence is felt. He scored an incredible goal this weekend, and also Chancela Bemba scored a great goal, and Fabio Vieira is the one that intru- that assisted in both game uh, in both of the goals, and you know I think this is where, despite losing three players in the off season, and um, I'm sorry in the winter transfer window, um, Jesus Corona, uh, Luis Diaz, and Sergio Oliveira, we're still able to get the results, and we're finding other players that are doing the same job equally well. Fabio Vieira has been a gem in the last month and a half, where. He's already picked up his 10th assist in 630 minutes. He's averaging an assist every 63 minutes. And both him and Vitinha didn't play against Sporting in the first matchup. So after looking at how Porto have been playing the last 16 matches, it's been the best football in the Sergio Conceição era. And everywhere from 
attacking. The midfield has been so dominant. We're finding players that can that can do the job despite have missing players from the transfer window and also having injuries. We have a lot of depth there. And overall, defensively, Pep has come back, and we got our first clean sheet in five games. So um, I really like our chances going up against Spartling. I think the result is going to be different than the last one. I think we're actually going to win this one uh, three to one. And I'm going to go with uh, two assists from Fabio Vieira. And I'm going to say one goal from Eva Nielsen. And I don't know who's going to wow. score the other two goals. Dude, this guys, is you're talking about this, you're talking about Eddie's team here, man. Like super let's, let's specific. Show some respect here. I am super specific. I'm going Yo. for what's trending, man. I like Porto have so many young players that have stepped up. Five of our uh, starters come from have come from the youth academy. They're all 22 or younger, and they're playing at a, an extremely high level. And we're playing a flawless, flawless uh, style of football uh, as of lately. So I'm really excited, wow. and I think this is just an important match. If we win. I think we're going to win the win the league easily. Wow. I mean, doesn't Sporting have the best youth academy in in on like planet Earth or something like that, Eddie? God damn right we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think saying? about do you, the, do you that, guys know? that? Uh, you guys say uh, oh, matchup. Wait, what? What What do you think about the matchup, Eddie? What What do you think uh, right. is going to happen? Are you going to take Rui's shit talk or what? Listen, for for those listening, if you didn't know already. Rui's a Porto fan. The way he, his voice is perking up during this discussion about Porto. <laughs> but anyway, I'm over here being Mr. Middle Ground Conservative. Porto had a very similar storyline to their match. <laughs> I don't know what Rui's talking about. Dominant performance. They, dominant. They, that was a, that was a difficult game to break down. And even your your manager said it. And they had an no. uneventful first half. They oh. turned it on in the second half. Yes, yes. They were, they were much more exciting <laughs> to watch in the second half. They created some really good moments. Uh, Fabio Vieira scored from distance, and Mbeba scored from like a training ground exercise uh, oh, play. Here that, we go. But yeah. it was it was a solid win. Joe. Pep finally Joe. finally Pep's back. <laughs> Joe, for 20 years Joe for 20 years Sparting played like the way we did in the first half for 20 years they did that's not true yes it is and that's not true come on Eddie what are you talking about Aruka couldn't even do anything the entire game they could barely get the ball into neither their could you third. guys but neither we were, could you guys okay so the game was slow in the first half we had control of possession we locked down uh, defensively they had nothing coming through then the second half it was completely different so that's the same thing what happened in the Milan game did it not yeah but you can't say it was a dominant performance it you have to was. give it was where it's dominant due. in the midfield it was dominant defensively was it dominant in the attack no not until the second half and then it was know, all man. three perspectives all three aspects of the game dominant and guess what we're gonna do the same thing on friday yeah. and porto we'll is see. going to going to win oh, man and then sport think i don't know man it might be what 10 years from now 15 years from now they'll win another liga eddie eh, we'll see oh, man. man we'll see we'll see what happens because yeah it's gonna be an intense match it's definitely a midfield battle but i think in the midfield we'll we'll outclass porto no problem. All right. Well, well you, actually, with the result. You, you I'm going to change my prediction just because you pissed me off. I was going to say it was a 2 2 draw. You know what? I'm going with 3 1 sporting. 3 1 sporting. We're going to have all, all of our three attackers score. Slimani, he's coming back after almost 2,000 games, uh, 2,000 days not, not playing in the Super League. Coming back against Porto. The last team he scored against in the 2 1 win. Yeah. Slimani will score. Pedro Gonçalves will score. Hopefully, he's back, and we'll have Paulinho top it off. Yeah, you know and what? I'm gonna change my so score. I'm gonna change my score too. It's gonna be five to nothing. What? Chancel and Bemba is gonna score two goals. He's gonna score two goals from corner kicks. And I'm gonna do this one last thing. I'm gonna say one last thing, Eddie. I will bet you a Pasquale's pizza and a Peroni that for the win. Let's go. This is the bet. This is the bet. This is the bet that Joe and I make every single derby. So okay, let's take it. And just so you guys know, we're we're watching this game together. So if me and Rui aren't friends after Friday, it's because of this. <laughs> yeah, if we don't have a show next week, uh... <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, we we will we will have to do a check in five nothing. Yeah, this it's gonna be it's sure. gonna be Joe and George five. <laughs> and he's gonna resign. 
Ruiz. <laughs> no, please, God, no, please the do not let that happen, Eddie. Cinco zero. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the hell, man. Insane. Rui acting like Joe Rogan over here. Mad confident. (laughs) Oh, now we're going to get censored. Great. Okay. uh, So, wait a minute. Joe Rogani. Just so we're clear. clear, Rui, you're saying 5 0. 5 0. Yep. From who? And Eddie. I already said Salem Bimba scoring two. Okay. I'm writing this down. Just so you know, I'm writing this down. Um, five nothing, and Eddie, what do you think? I had, I had to change it on a whim. I'm gonna say three one. Originally, I had two two as in my prediction, but ah man, this guy, this guy wants wants to go to war. Let's do it. Let's three, go to war of the predictions. One sporting. Yeah. I mean, so far your track record has been better than Ruiz, and uh, he's been doing this podcast for like two years. So, um, two we'll, years. We'll see, we'll, we'll see where the where the wind's blowing. Yeah, we'll uh, see on that one. It's been uh, I mean, four years. Logged in about two years worth of work, even though the podcast is older than that. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. Joe, remember but, who you work for. <laughs> But anyway, that's all I got, guys. I don't know. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Ah, oh, man. Definitely tune into this. This is going to be a freaking <laughs> bloodbath. Yeah, definitely bloodbath. tune in next week. Can't believe it. Portuguese Eddie. bloodbath. Eddie, we don't, we, don't throw, we don't throw softballs here, man. Me neither, man. Uh, I'm ready. Two to two. Oh, it's going to be a two-to-two two game. He's yeah. being pragmatic. I like it. Hey, I am a reasonable analyst. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? Yeah. I, have, I have faith in my team. Oh, I have man. faith in my team. I was giving you the benefit of doubt, Porto. You know, they've been strong this season, but dominant, it, man. Dominant this season. Dominant. Okay. Undefeated. We didn't lose a single game in 2021. So, and we haven't lost All a right, game guys. in 2022. Wow. Wow. Well, you guys will definitely need to tune in next week because we'll we'll see who's going to be buying who pizza and beer. I'm just going to be sitting on the sidelines enjoying the fireworks. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, 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 we'll see. Come on, This guy, Rui, you better bring a super. You heard. Please give this a follow, a like, a subscribe. We really appreciate all the support. I can't even. I can't even do this. You guys are just uh, making hell, me laugh. Man. Pep uh, gonna get a red card. I can feel it. It's, yeah, Pep's out of here. Yeah, give me a red card. Um, yeah, please give this a like, a follow, a subscribe on wherever you're listening to. We really appreciate it. And if you wouldn't mind, please also pop over to Twitter and follow us at RCR underscore podcast. We love interacting with you guys, and we will see you next time. That's astonishing. It's